Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of our house show here with Phoenix Business Radio X. I get the pleasure of being your guest host today. My name is Kendra Maples. You are usually seeing me having a different conversation, and now I get to host today this conversation with our house show with two lovely ladies, one of which I know a little bit more, and the other one we're going to get to know a little bit better. I am actually nerdily excited. I don't know if that's a real word, but we're going with it for this conversation (laughs) because it's about sustainability, and my background is actually in animal behavior and conservation. So I worked in the zoo industry for a long time. And so when it comes to the sustainability side of things, this is at my core. So I geek out about this a lot. And Josie and I have had the conversations and the opportunity to geek out a little bit. And now we get to bring in Emily. So today are two amazing guests that we have. We have Josie Colin, the Director of Sustainability for Goodman's. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. And with her, we have Emily Kingman, the Sustainability Coordinator for Architectural Resource Team. Yes. Hello. Hello. I am, like I said, so excited to have the two of you here today. Josie, I know you a little bit already. So as far as starting introductions, Emily, I want to start with you. Obviously, we get your bio. We know a little bit about you guys, but it's one thing if I read it. It's very, very different. If we just hear it from you. <laughs> sure. So I'd love to hear a little bit about you, Emily, how you kind of got to where you are and the company. Yeah. So I actually have a master's degree in construction management. So when I started that program, though, it was very oddly clear that construction and building our infrastructure is not so great for the future, the way we're currently doing it. But it was also really clear that there's so many better ways to do it, to actually progress and be able to live the way we want, but Mm -hmm. do it differently. So that got me um, into the sustainability side of construction. And then with the graduate, with graduation, I was connected with architectural resource team because they're working on the first living building challenge in the region. And that is exactly what attracted me to them. So now I've been with them for, I want to say two years, maybe a little more, um, doing mostly documentation, sustainable research, and all the coordination just to get the building done and then implement it into other projects too. Awesome. And tell us what the first certified living building, like, what is this? What does this mean? Why was that exciting for you? So it's, I mean, I think generally most people know what LEED is. Mm -hmm. So if you take that and then amplify it, like feels like what could be tenfold. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Then you're looking at the living building challenge. It's also like, Lead is really great and it has you design for a better purpose, Mm -hmm. but it never tracks how the building actually works. And then during my research in grad school, the longer a building goes on living, usually the worse it actually works. So like the Mm -hmm. um, window seals start to degrade, therefore air conditioning gets out. And like as simple as that sounds, it's yeah, that's the basic concept. So okay. This has you, it's about performance. Mm -hmm. So it's about the three basics or the three big ones are materials, energy, and uh, water. So with the water, it's net zero water, net positive energy, non-toxic materials. And those are the three that are less around design Mm -hmm. and more about performance. And it has to be, you build the building with the systems, you start living in the building and then you get the certification after 12 months 12 consecutive months of proven work so you don't get the certification unless it's actually net zero water actually net positive energy for a consecutive year which makes it special yeah so it might start out and for those that don't know what lead certification Mm -hmm. is that's Essentially, when it's built, right? You get the yes. certification for, yeah. well, you did a good job being green. Yeah. So, like, it, 
it's great because it like has you separate waste during construction mm-hmm. and it has you do better um, HVAC systems, more efficient systems mm-hmm. and better windows and nicer designs that are more biophilic. So it's more, it gets people connected to nature, which then sort of makes people happier in the space in general. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but nothing is rechecked over the years, mm. really. You can voluntarily go in if you want and get recertified, but it's not necessary. And therefore, there are some buildings that are certified 15 years ago that do not work as mm-hmm. well as they used to, and that's just normal. But this is a certification that makes sure that that doesn't happen anymore. That's fascinating. And this yes. is the first one? In, in Arizona. Arizona. Okay. And then the Sonoran Desert in general. So it goes into California, like the smaller okay. parts of Nevada and California and northern Mexico. Yeah. Okay. So this is the first one in that region. Yes. Ooh. So are there other ones that you know of, like East Coast or anyone oh, yeah. else that's doing this where you can kind of see how it's already been done? Yes. Okay. It's hard because there's none in this region. So for us, yeah. obviously, water is a huge thing. Yeah, so. totally. And the um, heat and the temperature. Yes. And, but yeah. we have plenty of sun. Where mm-hmm. I know um, one in northern Minnesota, water is not really an issue, but their energy was because mm. not so much sun all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I know the new, I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe it is the new addition to the Santa Barbara City Hall. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I think there, there are ones in Cal. There's one in California. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's Santa Barbara City Hall is an LBC building. Cool. And I'm going to say LBC for short because that, <laughs> it means good. living building challenge. I like this. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, the very first one was the Bullet Center, though. It's in Seattle. The whole company is based out of Seattle. But it's moving. There's a few in Cal- um, Canada, I think one or two in Australia. It is moving international. And it's... Yeah, it's really, it's a really cool program. It's just a really, it's really hard, but it's a really great way mm-hmm. to think about building for the future. Yeah. And I love that that was a piece that drew you to this space. Yeah. We'll keep going into that. Yes. I do want to jump on. over <laughs> to Josie. To and talk about LBC yes. all day, though. Right? Yeah. Um, that's how Emily and I really like yeah. It's kind of started our friendship, so I love it. And you guys can <laughs> you guys can talk your sustainability okay. lingo. I'll chime in and ask questions <laughs> when Bring everyone else down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when everyone else might not know what the things mean. Josie, I want to jump over to you. I've worked and we've known Goodman's for quite a while. An amazing yeah. company. So tell me about your role with Goodman's because yeah, you are the first one in this role. And tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'm Josie. Um, I've worked at Goodman's for over five years now. It's my first job in the industry, first big girl job, actually. <laughs> and I I really love the company to a core. We're here to change our community. And I feel like I really, um, I get to be a really big part of doing that now with my new role, relatively new role. I've been in it um, a year and a half now, a little bit more, and director of sustainability. And it's our first position I want to say of that kind but not really because we have we have really cool kind of um non-traditional positions like we have a VP of people and we had like a culture and community outreach person as well but I have a background in design and really was just passionate about sustainability I think since design school like that was the biggest thing that got me excited was specking sustainable products and researching those manufacturers and in the end just creating a a project that I felt really good about that has a purpose beyond just looking great because I do really value aesthetics and beauty I think that's like kind of anyone in the design community can relate to that but a higher purpose is really important to me especially just the where we're at in the world and the the age I am at, um, thinking forward to having children and what my life or their life might look like in the future, it is very, very important to me. So it's nice to be supported by Goodman's who really cares about that as well. Like we we care about our community, we care about the planet, it kind of goes hand in hand. So it's been really fun to kind of innovate in this new space. And it's exciting because 
we have a really holistic kind of approach of looking at things and it's not a really drilled down, nailed down um, role. So I get to kind of have my hands in a lot of pots, which is kind of exciting because like Emily was touching on, there's so many facets of sustainability, especially being in this region, like the heat, water, transportation, all of that. Um, yeah, definitely are factors. And I get to kind of, yeah, play around with all of them. I absolutely love this. And I love that this is a new role. Goodman's is very progressive in the space of taking care of people and community and sustainability. They always have been, right? Definitely. Now having you as, okay, this is the human in that role. Let's make this happen. I also really admire and love that both of you kind of leaned into the fact that this is for lack of better terms, the first like big girl company, <laughs> right? I think that's really important in this space of sustainability. It's yeah. it's new visions. It's new, new perspectives where I feel like when I was in that space too, sometimes it's hard to change mindset of somebody who's older <laughs> and they've been in that space for a long time. I've been super proud of my mom, man. She's, she's recycling everything now. And I'm like, okay, okay well, wait, not everything. Now you're That's going, the problem. Yeah. Like, you're, you're going a little too far, mom. Like you're, you're on the right track. And also we can't. That's <laughs> called wish cycling. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying. Oh, I love it. But it's so cool to have you guys in these spaces and in these roles to bring the new vision and, and bring that sustainability view for, like you said, Josie, for your kids and for the future of how it can change. Josie, in your role already, you've already started to lead Goodman's to set a net zero target. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, that's really, really exciting. That's pretty new. It's, it's officially official and I'm saying it here. So it's, it's official, (laughs) but yeah, we benchmarked our carbon footprint and we're going to reduce it by 50% by 2030 and then all the way by 2050. And that's based on the Paris agreement and science-based targets. So it's really cool to kind of be a company of our size in that space. If you look on the science-based target database, it's lots of like fortune 500 companies. It's big corporations. So Yeah, I think that really aligns with a lot of other stuff we're doing where it's pretty unusual at our scale of being a small to medium sized company that's we're local. We have a branch in Tucson and Albuquerque as well, but just a regional kind of company of this size. So we're super excited about that. Yeah, Yeah. I love that, too, (laughs) because you're bringing it like into the community more and you're letting the smaller businesses realize like it's not this global thing that just the large companies need to do. Totally. So like literally anybody can do it and probably everybody should do it. <laughs> but but it's nice that you're like a local example that you don't have to be this large corporation in order to put this commitment forward. Totally. And that yeah. is same with you and ART. Like the work you guys are doing to be a beacon kind of on this local scale is super awesome. It's fun. Yes. <laughs> so tell me more about this, the local side of things, mm-hmm. like the local context. Josie, we know a little bit of what Goodman's is starting to do, right? Mm-hmm. Being a local company in this area. And so Emily, tell me more about what is this local connection and communication to people look like? So this is like a weird loaded question of sorts for us, mm-hmm. mostly because ART, which architectural resource team, ART. Yeah. <laughs> we have lots. Of, we, we love the acronyms. We have acronyms today. <laughs> yeah. Um, the majority of their work is, is in low-income housing or healthcare. So the healthcare, glo- it goes more nationally than the housing, but it mostly focuses on mental health Mm -hmm. and drug rehab. So it's helping, it's just helping the community that sometimes people tend to forget about, really. The other side of it is low-income housing. So we work with basically developers and we get grants and the cities and communities here to try to get just more affordable housing in the Valley. And then we design and build those. So that's what ART kind of has always done for the community in a Mm -hmm. business sense. And then with pulling the sustainability into it, just like almost finishes that circle to a degree. What about you guys as just a label too? So yeah, I I think that's really notable. That's 
I've been working on that all day. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> tell us. <laughs> tell us more then. <laughs> um, so it's part of ILFI is the International Living Future. <laughs> I'm Sorry, everyone. I-L-F-I. You're right. I know. F-I. Yeah. I-L-F-I? Yes. Okay, International Living Future Institute. Okay. They are the parent company to Living Building Challenge. So it's think like USGBC. To, to lead. So it's like, what is that? Most of green building nerdy yeah. stuff. We're going to recap all of these acronyms. There will be a quiz. Yes, the United States Green Building Council okay. is the organization that created LEED of a certification. Okay. So yeah. ILFI is the organization that created LBC. Okay. So they also created um, one of the things that goes into the Living Building Challenge is that you, it's called the Just Label. So it's essentially a self-evaluation of an organization that you have to go into these different categories and grade yourself. Yeah, like you have to look at your stuff like hard, like um, bias and like who's holding Um, what roles within your company. Yeah, and it's diversity and Mm. gender roles and um, pay equity. Yeah. And health and fitness so physical fitness mental health and well-being it goes into how much you are donating or helping the community around you yeah i think those are the biggest it's really cool it's It's like a transparency label it's like a nutritional information stamp for a company yes exactly and that's what um the ILFI, the International Living Future Institute, has other another label like that called Declare, which yes. is essentially nutritional transparency for a product. Yep. So I hope will be a part of our conversation today too when we're talking about like materiality and circular mm-hmm. economy, which circular economy is a shift from what our economy is right now, which is very linear where you yep. we take materials from the earth, we turn them into a product, we use that product, we throw it away. It's mm-hmm. linear. So a circular economy is like recycling or composting are some basic examples. Yeah. Okay. So the Declare label and just material transparency in general, which I know was really big for Emily as yes. she was going through the LBC <laughs> certification because it restricts yeah. certain materials. And most of the time, on all of the time on construction materials, you don't know what's actually in a sheet of drywall. Well, yeah. we kind of do. It's formaldehyde. <laughs> for those not who don't anymore. know. Yeah. Okay, no, I know. Um, not anymore. But we can get into that. <laughs> like, that is, that's like my my day-to-day. Like materials are my bread and butter. So I could talk oh. for days about that. <laughs> but, Do it. <laughs> keep going. Um, let's let's keep going. The declare label. And yeah. go for it. If we... Okay. So when it comes down to materials, it's like what... Josie, you were saying with the Declare label, I like to, like, a Declare label is essentially, it's very similar to, like, a health product, de- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I only know the acronym. Oh, gosh, so now I know, I'm like, health words. product declaration, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, the health product declaration, um, which is also, so it's, it's all these different third-party certifications that manufacturers can go through okay. to essentially stamp that their product mm-hmm. is healthy. Like an, another, for example, like I'm currently pregnant and I'm um, looking for a lot of stuff that kids need mm-hmm. that, I, that I'm learning about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in that realm of the industry, I'm finding that you won't find EPDs or HPDs. So mm-hmm. the environmental product declaration or health product declarations, but you will find things like Green Guard Gold, which is a certification for VOCs, the volatile organic compounds, yes, which are essentially the things like you unroll a mattress and then it smells funny. That's (laughs) all the chemicals in the mattress that are now going into the air. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's so fun being in this space. You just, (laughs) yeah, it's (laughs) yeah, it is. It's incredible. So if something has a green guard gold stamp on it, and you'll find that in most furniture or kind of foamy foam based products, yeah, it's. They, I, I can't promise you they won't smell funny because it's foam and plastics. Yeah. It's whatever. <laughs> but it's better. But it's not toxic. Okay, what's yes. the stamp again? Green Guard. Green Guard. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, the off-gassing has been measured pretty much yep. to, to not have as big of an impact. Effects. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is, like, that's 
it's it's weirdly fun for me. Because it, it sounds so terrifying many. right now. You yeah. guys do all of fun for her. I don't really have as much fun with it. I, yeah. I think it's because you can see the progress faster. So yeah. I don't want every manufacturer to have to pay for a third party certification because then you're asking for, for sure it's to a roadblock. Essentially, a yeah, turn away because it's too expensive, which we don't need to do. But going back to the Declare label, it helps with transparency. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't cost anything for a company to go to their R&D department mm-hmm. and get a list of all the materials and then look at the toxic materials list that is public and say, we can certify that none of this is in here. Okay. And it's, I mean, again, it's like proprietary stuff. I never expect people to deluge because then our businesses (laughs) would not, the market would not be what it is. (laughs) So, so it's okay. But at the same time you can say, this 50% of our product is proprietary, but mm-hmm. I can promise you that it's been tested and none of these thousands of ingredients that are toxic to you are in it. Okay. So what's and- what's really cool about a Declare label too is that a Declare label, it can be on all different kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. but let's say a chair has a Declare label. The kind of change that that's sparking across all levels on the supply chain um, and then all the way to the consumer and through end of life is really cool because mm-hmm. the manufacturer of that chair had to go upstream to all their suppliers of the arm pads, of the mesh, mm-hmm. of the metal base and yes. request this information. And those people likely had to go even further up. It's kind of goes back to just simple supply and demand. Like when we're pushing more of these labels um, in the market, it it does demand that the manufacturers of these products start looking at things like that um, and making changes to healthier materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's especially, it's important from like the VOC perspective and off-gassing and just how humans can healthily sit in a chair in a building in this yep. kind of framework that we've created. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but then it goes into end of life as well. So Goodman's does a lot of work and with the circular economy. So that's like the last mile of furniture, the last mile of this industry yeah. when we're ready to, when someone's ready to upgrade all their furniture and they, mm-hmm. they probably have old furniture. So we have a donation program that we've had for, since 2008. I'm bad at math, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> since 2008. Yeah. And it was actually started by a Goodman's employee, which is really cool. And we take customers surplus nonprofit or surplus furniture and we give it to nonprofits for free. So that's a great example of the circular economy. And we've expanded that now that I've been in this role to tearing apart old furniture and recycling all the different pieces. Mm -hmm. And that's really what got me into materials is it's very difficult to find end of life solutions for materials that aren't labeled. That is like mixed plastic melted over a steel base. So recycling is really fun, as we were kind of talking about with the wish cycling. And this is all said with sarcasm, by the way. So in case you're not watching, it's extremely complex, but it makes sense why it needs to be that way. So metal needs to be recycled only with other metal. It doesn't work if you recycle metal and plastic. It's going to make this weird material that no one can do anything with. So having furniture that's designed for disassembly with materials that are non-toxic is really important so that when we're tearing apart the furniture, the people who are tearing it apart are safe. They're not being exposed to mm-hmm. particulate matter that has formaldehyde bits in it or PFAS PVC. from the yeah, yeah PVC. Um, and then that keeps the recycler safe too. Like PVC mm-hmm. is pretty much an unrecyclable material. Um, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, also it's toxic technically... from the start to the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, so PVC... Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? I recently yeah. learned PVC was like a big no-no. It is, I had no idea. <laughs> and I was just doing work in the yard with yeah. the PVC pipes. Yeah. Now tell yeah. me all the things yeah. that are wrong. That's one of the, um, it's it's like, that, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't want to say fun, but um, <laughs> it's, it's one of the most obvious pieces of plastic to avoid. That and Teflon. However, okay. Teflon... Which is Kendra the, writing notes yeah, for all the things I, to throw like, get rid of when she gets started. Teflon is the company name. I'm the like the plastic name is escaping oh, but me. But um yeah. that plastic is was created for a reason and it is actually undis- indestructible. And mm. it's bad because it'll break up into minuscule pieces and just float in our environment till the end of time. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Okay. Um, which isn't great. 
And that's something like you have to prioritize your sustainability. Otherwise yeah. it goes, you'll get overwhelmed. So just, yeah, I'm yeah. always really good about that. She brings me back down when I, I can get really yeah. overwhelmed on all of it. And See, she has yeah. this great way of Focus bringing it. Focus on what yeah. you can do. Like, that's all you can do. It's, yeah. a, it's okay to not do everything. And, um, but PVC is interesting because there are so many alternatives. And it was also created for a reason. We needed a plastic that was that strong. Mm-hmm. And we use it for so much because of what it is. And it's great. And for housing and everything, it's now for plumbing and mm-hmm. sewer and almost everything in a house actually has PVC in it because it's because of its integrity. But mm-hmm. it is so toxic from the manufacturing point to the decomposition point. Mm-hmm. So like if you have a PVC pipe and you're sawing it in half and there's like little white dust that comes off, that is not good for you to breathe in. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. but like, it's, it's not, yeah, it's to yeah. an extent, but mm-hmm. I, it's just something that we don't need in our environment yeah. long-term. So mm-hmm. we know this now. So now we can start to trade it out for something better. And the one that almost, almost works all the time is HDPE plastic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a high definition polyethylene piping, mm-hmm. usually. Wow. And it they looks... can make piping out of that? Yeah. Because HDP isn't, isn't that what your grocery bags and like Ziploc bags are? No idea. Okay. <laughs> it is. It is. Maybe that's what they took. Yeah. And then made. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That that's possible. Yeah. It's like I had, um, well, like our irrigation well, yeah, and then PEX piping is mm-hmm. also fine. Mm-hmm. So, like, irrigation and small plumbing things can be done with PEX. Yeah. And then HDPE is fine for most mm-hmm. other plumbing. Yeah. And, again, like, you have to look at the integrity of these plastics and make sure they're approved per city code and all of this stuff that goes around it. But Okay, so on yeah. that note, I know in this conversation in this room, we say, oh, we know this now. We know it's mm-hmm. not good. Okay, well, I know as of Sorry. 14 seconds ago that, that yeah. I shouldn't have been breathing in the well, PVC pipe I was cutting. Yeah. So in that, in that laughter and context, does everybody really know? Like, how do we have these no. conversations with companies right. and businesses that aren't connected with companies like you guys? Just talk they, to them. Yeah, like that's that's mostly what I do all day is call manufacturers and so I can right, have all these manufacturers things. just call you now. <laughs> right. And it's like it's impossible to have every consumer know this kind of stuff. And I think that's yeah. where the framework of this conversation, it's important that like specifiers, manufacturers that that we know and yeah. that we want to do something about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know, it's just like the, yeah, and the more people talk about it, the more people will sort of yeah. click. And I don't know if you remember like more, re- I don't know where you guys heard more recently, like when the Barbie movie was coming out, mm-hmm. I heard a lot where it was like, how many people chewed on their Barbies? Oh my gosh. They are made of PVC. Oh. <laughs> so it was, oh. It's, but it's like, so I'm not fine. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm good. I know. No. Yeah. And like we, we Barbie all, is made out of PVC. Pipe. It's a really strong <laughs> plastic. <laughs> Barbie is literally indestructible. Kind. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like, it comes down to the, uh, like cult, more like, I don't want to say pop culture, but yeah. for a lack of better term, that sense. And then I can't remember a few years ago in the news somewhere in the Midwest, a train tipped over and basically a black cloud went into the sky. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was PVC dust. So like, that's what it looks like before it turns into a pipe. Mm-hmm. So it's toxic. But then like, if okay. if it was just clear that that's what we're working with, maybe we should just make it more of a conversation to try to do something differently from here on. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it goes, Josie, to what you're saying is not necessarily the consumer at my end, Mm -hmm. but where I'm buying these things from. If those companies and manufacturers, if they can understand, hey, this isn't good, Mm -hmm. and we're putting this in people's houses with children and pets and things like that, or letting Kendra cut up PVC yeah. in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. It starts with those companies more so yeah. than maybe just Joe yes. Schmo at home, right? Totally. Yeah. Like you've heard of corporate social responsibility mm-hmm. probably, yeah. and that was kind of the report that um, is now being 
superseded, I think that's the right word, with ESG, which is Environmental mm-hmm. Social Governance Reports. So yeah, I think there is a big responsibility on these manufacturers, even on the dealer side, on the architect side. And it's really exciting to see um, those industries really rising to that. I really do feel like the industry's changing. Yes. Um, and it's, it's fun to be on the forefront of that. And it definitely takes a lot of innovation, like Emily was saying with the PVC. Like these materials were chosen for a reason because they're cost effective, because they're durable, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So it is a challenge to find materials that meet those criteria. That it's important to have environmental and like human health and safety be the top priority. And I think defining that as the top priority is really when innovation happens. So Goodman's represents Miller Knoll Furniture, Herman Miller and Knoll. And I was just reading this really great book about they're just kind of geeking out about the history of Miller Knoll and their first PVC task chair, which was the Mira 2. And it was a huge deal. And pretty much the only reason they were able to create that is because they prioritized environmental concerns first. Mm-hmm. And that led to everyone having to put their heads together to find better solutions because if the CEO and the CFO, because those conversations did trickle back to them, if they would have said, yeah, you're right, like, we're on a downspin right now, we pri- we need to prioritize profit, like that innovation would never have came to fruition. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really about companies, I almost think just being brave enough to declare that. I mean, brave enough, sensible yeah. enough, I don't know, like to really make that declaration. Yeah. yeah. And there's that shift, like we said, with when these things were developed, right? The purpose was we want this to last forever, right? right? Yeah. And, and carpets <laughs> and all kinds of other material. Yeah. Yes, PVC yes. isn't great, but there's other materials where those companies literally said, oh hey, we want to make this carpet. Last so forever. It, yeah, <laughs> it's indestructible. We want it to last forever. And then over time, it's, okay, now this mindset shift of, well, maybe it's not great if it lasts yeah. forever. Like, that would be so cool mm-hmm. if carpet never went out of fashion. Yeah. <laughs> like if everybody... Or if I never spilled coffee, that would be really right. cool too. I would, have, <laughs> yeah. I would still have orange carpet yes. in my parents' yeah. house. So if that was a thing that like yeah. everybody for the rest of time was like, I love carpet. <laughs> and then this wouldn't be in conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but then, yeah. And because things change mm-hmm. and yeah, then we have to evolve with it. Mm-hmm. And you can't, yeah, you can't just like build a big square building and then hope that everybody forever wants a big square building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to be, manufacturers are having to be like humble and be like, mm-hmm. okay, we were actually wrong with that. Or mm-hmm. like similar to the Just Label. It's all, I feel like it's really that shift toward, yeah. yeah, looking at our stuff, kind of declaring it, being transparent about it and committing to doing better. Yeah. Um, and that's really like how simple I think sustainability yes. can be. It's not, but yeah. it is hard to look at those realities. So I think <laughs> we we have been like brainstorming on like we're both really passionate about bringing things down to like a palatable, um, mm-hmm. more inspiring perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. where we'll see a lot of change, like even on the consumer level, I think like empowering people rather than kind of yeah making it about fear, because then I just want to put bury my head under the yep. sand. Like, I don't know about anyone else oh but <laughs> yeah in grad school every sustainable anything started with like a fear tactic in the beginning yeah which I, no no I took a nap after every <laughs> single lecture you were just because exhausted. it was so overwhelming and like nobody needs to be scared of it it's not something that's scary so yeah Josie and I just it's easier especially like now that we know each other and we have the same passions and we can talk about this freely knowing where we both stand and it's from two different perspectives Mm -hmm. which is really nice yeah but it's much easier for us to figure out how to break it down and basically say it's like it's okay (laughs) that we weren't doing it okay so all it is is you have to recognize what's going on and accept the fact that like we're gonna have to change in a big way Mm -hmm. moving forward and like that's okay, one step at a time. Yeah, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, but I mean, it will be. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like Susie said, kind of okay. We have to 
we have to bite it and say, yes, yeah. we, we did this. We built this. But mm-hmm. now let's shift. Let's grow. And then the conversations with the companies, right? And and when you guys were talking about the Declare label, mm-hmm. everything in that label, you have to talk to all of the other manufacturers that built all of the other things. Mm-hmm. So that influence, yeah. if Goodman's yeah. is saying, hey, we want to be sustainable, and then you realize maybe there's somebody that makes the cushion you use totally that's not sustainable, then your influence towards them, right? Yes. And then saying, okay, well, maybe we're not going to use you anymore or those conversations. Yeah. Are... And luckily, Miller Knoll had those conversations <laughs> and <laughs> we're lucky enough to just work with Miller Knoll who already had all those difficult conversations nice. with the manufacturers. Yeah. So, and like Emily was saying with the certifications and the labels, like it is, it's not a perfect system because it does take money to do that. But at the same time, it's a celebration and it's an accomplishment. So it, it, yeah. it shows that there was work that went behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to be able to represent Miller Knoll. And we also represent DIRT, which is an interior modular construction system. So both of those are really sustainable at their core. So all Goodman's had to really do was be like, oh, yes, we love what they're doing. And let's show you what it looks like on a dealership level mm-hmm. because we're not actually making the furniture, but we are selling it and we are um, getting surplus furniture back from customers. So mm-hmm. that's where the kind of circular economy model and then our own carbon, uh, our own net zero carbon goal kind of came into play. And we're actually, it's kind of cool. We matched kind of by accident Miller Knowles goals, which is to reduce our carbon footprint by 50% by 2030. And they're on the SBT database as well. They'll be increasing their amount of recycled content per product. I think it's going to be like 50% or more recycled content in each product. And designed for disassembly, which has been kind of a core for them since I think the late 90s, early 2000s. So that's like ensuring that a chair can be taken apart by regular regular people tools. You don't need a specialist Mm -hmm. in there to kind of um, take apart the chairs and then it's marked with the recycling symbols. So you know how to recycle each part. Ooh. Yeah. So when you're having these conversations, you're having them with your vendors and your partners. And then you're also having the conversations with the consumers, right? So they mm-hmm. know that they can they can have their office of chairs for yeah. X amount of years and then get them back to you guys. How do you kind of continue those conversations? How do you update those conversations? Like, say I'm the person that buys mm-hmm. the chairs for an office. How do I really get that communication yeah. from you, from Goodman's? Well, and oftentimes, I mean, I think that conversation most of the time starts a lot earlier because we're seeing a lot of companies have sustainability goals of their own, like mm-hmm. ART, for example, which is how Emily and I got connected is mm-hmm. they need certain furniture to fit the requirements to meet the yes. to, to meet their certification goals. Yes. So that's like how it would start. And then from their responsible end of life, I think, is a part of the materiality yep. requirements in the LBC. Yes. <laughs> 90% so. of all... <laughs> Of all waste is diverted from the landfill. So not just what's in the building, like the infrastructure, but the stuff that's in. Everything else. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So So, all of the, if it's a house, right? Mm -hmm. The the bed, the chairs, the. Yep. All of that. Countertops. um, Yeah. It's really cool to have a certification look at that broad of a a focus Mm -hmm. because that really is when we're talking about sustainability you have to look at all that stuff yeah um and I think that's where it's cool to see that level of a certification yeah it's it's overwhelming but it is it is nice and when you have companies like Goodman's that care about the same things and have clients or not clients yeah yeah Yeah, partners okay yeah. yeah that care about the same things it makes everything so much easier because mm-hmm. we might not know the same things on the same levels, but we all mm-hmm. have the same underlying priorities. Desire. Yeah, yes. exactly. And that's why it was it's really refreshing to work like with ART who have declared the environment to be a top priority because mm-hmm. like we were saying, there's innovation, there's trade-offs that have to be made when you know, based on your priorities. So it's nice to have that be a steadfast. And we see lots of other customers with that as their steadfast goal too, but that is like a challenge as well as balancing cost and um, feasibility. Like a lot of the times we were talking about recycling furniture, um, it 
is a lot cheaper and quicker to just have a liquidator come in and take all of it and probably throw a lot of it away or sell some of it for their own profit. So it it really is just about choice Mm -hmm. and priorities, which I I am seeing more and more priorities shift toward the more sustainable Mm -hmm. ones. And then it helps you align, like you said, with the right partners. If you know that somebody's, you know, a company's top priority is the environment and sustainability, then that helps make the decision. If you have two vendors you have to choose, well, you're going to pick the one who is focused on the same goals and the same values as you. And I'm assuming that's how you (laughs) mentioned how you guys both connected. Who connected with who? Like, did you connect through Goodman's and Art? Yeah. So we, between Goodman's and ART, we had a meeting about Sonoran Studio, which is the name of the our yeah. new office, the LBC building, mm-hmm. for all of our furniture and interior furniture. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, but from we just kind of ran with it. Yeah, from <laughs> we're like, okay, we're best friends now. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> like, we had one meeting. Then after Josie and I were like, hey, let's get coffee and talk. Yes. <laughs> so, so we've actually started studying for the well um, accredited professional exam yes. together too. So. There's all these furniture certifications, <laughs> building certifications, and then okay. the, the specifiers, architects, designers uh-huh. all have accreditations personally as well, meaning oh that, yeah, <laughs> meaning that <laughs> you are well-versed in the requirements of a given certification so you can help advise companies yeah. and individuals on how to reach that so you know the amount of furniture that needs to have a declare label in mm-hmm. order to get a living building challenge stamp. So yeah. the main three building certifications are LBC, LEED, which we kind of touched on, and mm-hmm. then WELL, which feels kind of new, or maybe it's just getting uh, gaining a lot of popularity. And I think there's probably more that I missed. But. Those are the most, <laughs> those are like the, the three basics in the U.S. Okay. Um, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And then WELL? I think it's just because either we are now in the world of it, so yeah. we know it more, or it's becoming, I'm seeing more well buildings Me now too. than I ever have. So it might just be kind of gaining its ground. Totally. Better. So I've never heard of it. Oh, wow. It so is. like you said, it might you're, be because It's going to be in, for you now, though. Because... Now I'm going to see it everywhere because <laughs> we're having this yeah. conversation. It's really, you'll never see it. So... Do you, I don't know. Do you want to talk about well, it? Well, or... I was just drawn. I was going to say Kendra's going to love it now if she sees them because it's like that whole PVC conversation when you're like, oh, my gosh, I did not know like this. Yeah. So when you're in a well building, you can rest assured that all that stuff has been taken into account. Like mm-hmm. the main focus is human health and wellness. Yeah. Okay. It is a certification not about the building, but about how people interact yeah, the building. So some about yeah. the building, but it's more so yeah, yeah about like building considerations that make the best possible occupant experience. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It, From like a safety perspective, so like the materiality and like moisture management, like checking the AC cooling coils for mm-hmm. um, excess moisture, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So. It's from that perspective, which was not my favorite part to study for, I'll be honest. But (laughs) then there's really exciting stuff that we both relate to a lot being at the progressive companies that we're at that has to do with how much family leave you give your employees, like your mental health programs, um, the availability of fruits and vegetables, um, a community garden, like lots of aspects like that, um, sound barriers and sound transmission. And it's it's all of that is to improve the occupant experience, mm-hmm. which again, kind of, I can kind of swirl around and get a little overwhelmed with all that because I'm like, oh, I see a flickering light now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what that's doing to my, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's like, it's nice because it also promotes kind of the core human sense of happiness. Yeah. yeah. So like what you scientifically or what would scientifically create happiness? Yeah. So windows, basically, yeah. and natural sunlight, and, like, the community gardens, just the exposure to the outdoors, and... Yeah, and connecting with your surrounding community, yes. which yeah, is super important. Even... As you know, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love... Yeah. And is it well? Is this another acronym? How it's not, is, actually. Or is it just <laughs> W-E-L-L? It's just well. <laughs> or is it W-E-L? Is there it's an acronym well. involved? It's just, it's just well. well. Okay. Yeah. It is all I capitalized, but <laughs> okay. it's not a... I'm, 
I need to look this up. That wasn't on the study materials. (laughs) I don't think no. Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of acronyms written down. Um, That is fascinating to me that it's beyond just the building itself. Yeah. Josie knows I am very big in the culture space with company culture, and that is my area that I geek out. So now my head is already like, oh my gosh, how fascinating that now we've taken it an entirely different level, not just mental health and taking care of people as people. Mm-hmm. And now, right, the building side of it, or like you were talking about family leave involved too. Yes. Yeah. So now Act- I'm going to go down. furnishings, um, like opportunities yeah. for movement. And mm-hmm. it really is like the goal of it is to create a culture of health, like to mm-hmm. change, yeah, the human experience yeah. just in general. Yeah. Well, we're in an office building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we spend ninety percent of our time indoors. <laughs> by the way, yeah, yeah. So and especially here in the yeah. summer, it's not like we're opening windows. So no. it we you can't get... really go for a midday walk. No, no. oh my gosh. Yeah, like some sometimes just sitting in like a real dark room would be nice in the middle of July. But like, yeah, but this it creates spaces where you don't even have to think about like what might make you feel better. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice place to be that takes into consideration all the things that humans need. Totally. The, yeah. Where yeah. the healthiest choice is the easiest choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something like a lot of designers or um, just professionals in the built environment in general, like understand our responsibility and we get excited about it mm-hmm. to shape human experiences for the better through design. Because like we were saying about the consumer kind of knowledge, like it's not necessarily, it's becoming more and more the consumer's responsibility to understand all this, unfortunately, but it hasn't always been that way. And I don't think it should be like, that's why we have professionals in this space who who know what's best. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we have the two of you talking to us today. And I have a list of notes and things I need to (laughs) research more on. Yeah. Yeah. As we start to get a little closer to winding down, I only say that because we've almost been in here an hour, which is crazy how fast (laughs) these conversations go. For those listeners, so we have a very diverse, you know, group of folks that listen to all of these podcasts. A lot of them are the CEOs, the business leaders that are able to start to make those changes. Mm -hmm. And some of them are maybe middle managers listening How do you communicate? How do you kind of propose and share for all of these people when they're listening to the two of you right now and they're writing down all of these acronyms that I'm writing (laughs) down and they're like, oh my gosh, I have PVC and Mm -hmm. Emily says it's bad. (laughs) Where is kind of a starting point for people and where... You know, if it's like my mom, she's wish recycling, mm-hmm, yeah. right? What are your your thoughts, your suggestions, your kind of go forth message for our listeners that kind of spread across the gamut? I would love to say, just like pick your priority. Okay, and mm-hmm. um, I got an anecdote that I use a lot. One of my professors said, I asked him. Like, which was better, a paper bags or plastic bags? And mm-hmm. he's like, well, it depends. Do you care about energy or do you care about waste? Because it, a paper bag is recyclable, but it takes about 10 times more energy to create than a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah, mm-hmm. so there, there's no, like, there's no right or wrong answer here. Yeah. It's pick your priorities. Mm-hmm. If you, and I do want to shout out one company that we both actually know and work with. So if, if you hate throwing away food waste, mm-hmm. a good friend of mine who Goodman's uses yeah. um, owns a company called Recycled City. Okay. And what he does is provide bins to have you throw all your compost in a bin. Then his company comes and picks it up. It gets turned into compost in a farm in Phoenix. And then it can be turned in. It turns... he. Yeah, you can farm. buy vegetables from it. Yeah, vegetables or compost truly if you're planting. And it's, yeah, it's a truly, it's truly, truly circular. But so if it's a real simple way to just yeah. take yeah. organics out of your garbage yeah. and out of the landfill. So if you're huge on how much you throw away, that's a great, simple solution. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful solution 
for like someone like me or somebody that lives in maybe an apartment and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, having a compost bin maybe isn't the most realistic solution because then you have a compost bin and then I'm always totally. like, well, what do I do? Like, <laughs> yes. I can't keep a plant yeah. alive to save my life or the plant's life. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, what next? Yeah. So that's a and beautiful I'm solution. I'm someone who like almost shamefully doesn't eat leftovers, but I always take them home. <laughs> so, so now I feel much better about it because they're not going yeah. in the garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, Beautiful. yeah, again, it, it just comes down to like, what do you care about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's, how do you just think of an easy, simple way mm-hmm. to start? I Beautiful. Guess. Yeah. Starting somewhere. Yeah. I would echo that for sure. I think like when you, I would almost use the analogy when you have a million things to do on a Saturday, but you just have to like start with one, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's exactly that. And also, I guess to just feel, I hope that people feel inspired because there are really big um, shifts happening in the industry within the built environment and yeah. lots of other industries too. Um, so there are lots of people who care about this, who are dedicating time and resources to this and that the answer is innovation, which to me is really exciting, that it's not a trade-off um, that we can like really have it all. And as everyone probably knows, as humans, we really want to have it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's definitely still a way to do that and do it yeah. so that our kids can have it all too. Yeah. And, and their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the innovation piece, I'm glad you said that because yes, we can get very caught up in, oh my gosh, all of these things. Mm-hmm. I have to recycle everything and start somewhere. But the innovation piece, we're learning how to recycle things in really cool, totally. unique ways yeah. that we we didn't even realize before. We were talking right before we came on the air, even the glass that yeah. Emily has is from a company called Refresh Glass. So they turn wine bottles into cups. Like, how rad, yeah. you know? So the innovation piece is a beautiful piece of all of this. So, Josie, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Before we go if people not if when people <laughs> are looking to connect with you and they have questions on ESG AGPE ART ILFI I have a lot of them um when people are listening and they are so excited to connect with both of you how can they do so Emily how can they find you I have my email on me all the time. Okay. So my company email at ART is just E Kingman, K-I-N-G-M-A-N, my first initial and last name, at A-R-T hyphen T-E-A-M, like go team. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, I would probably say the same for me. Um, You can go to Goodman's websites to find me on LinkedIn, Goodman social media, um, and an email is, yeah, probably the quickest way to reach me. And it's my first initial and last name too at goodmans.com. I am so thankful. Yeah, yeah this is fun. You. I'm very thankful also that it worked out for me to I get know. to <laughs> host this. I promise I didn't finagle anything to make it so I could be in this conversation. Thank you to both of you. You're you're making some amazing things happen and you're helping the community to learn how to do this as well. So thank you for being here. And for everybody else that's listening, some media leans left, some leans right, and we lean business. 